you've hit play on The Screen Companion, a show about helping you to decide what to watch tonight. Here we are, another fantastic sing-songy episode. Today we're talking about musicals that might appeal to people who just aren't really into them to begin with. Maybe as a little kid they saw a musical and said, no, thank you, ma'am. We're going to be talking about Viva Las Vegas from 1964 and La La Land from 2016. Andrew summarizes La La Land. Mia, who's played by Emma Stone, who's an aspiring actress trying to make her dream come true, and Sebastian, played by Ryan Gosling, who is trying to achieve his dream of opening up a jazz club. And he's a very talented jazz pianist. Pianist. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Before we get into it, I need to ask Andrew a very important question, and I hope he knows the right response. Lady, why you be trippin'? I don't know the response. (sighs) I hated that scene, so I don't remember it that well. (laughs) (laughs) Pat, please, tell me. I'm useless as well. It's the, um, when she was auditioning. Mm-hmm. This is my classroom. You don't like it, the door's to my left. Lady, why you be tripping like that? No, Jamal. You be tripping. <laughs> I think that's the only line read from Emma Stone I liked the entire movie. Really? Yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> but Andrew... What brought this to mind as a recommendation for non-musical viewers? Because it's not as show tuney and as musical, I think, as everyone makes it out, or as it sounds. Within the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie, you have a bunch of the musical numbers packed into one section. You have the middle of the movie with, like, two numbers packed right next to each other. And then you have the finale, and there's, like, a lot of musical interludes through the film, but it's not, like, singing and dancing. So I chose this one because I'm thinking it's entry level, also not show tune music like I would consider Rodgers and Hammerstein, even singing in the rain or something like The Wizard of Oz. This is more like contemporary jazz songs thrown in there. Some have like some musical number show tune influences, but they're more contemporary songs. I think that helps ease people into musicals. Maybe it was a little front-loaded. I'm not sure. I didn't think about it in that perspective. But I felt like there was a good mix of music throughout the movie. It was definitely more of a co-mingled experience, for sure, versus dialogue versus music time. But I thought that was interesting. I wasn't sure what to expect. I'd never seen it before. They did disperse in a lot more dialogue than a traditional musical. Max, did you ever feel like you wanted more musical numbers? Now that I'm thinking about it, I felt like there definitely was a stronger emphasis on the music, like in the very beginning. Being like, all right, guys, this is what you have to learn. This is what you have to think about. And then for the second half, it became a bit more subtle. We're quizzing you now. Did you pay attention? Did you notice these things about these songs? And music became a background for me, and I was more focused on the story itself by the second half. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Andrew, would you agree that they're not known for musicals? I can't think of ones that they've done before, but I do know that Ryan Gosling was like, wasn't he in the Mickey Mouse Club or something and doing singing and dancing? So 
as a child star, I think he does have some experience. Yeah, he did a lot of dancing in his native Canada. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like their performances work in that context of them being newcomers to musical films? Their performances never bothered me. I definitely felt like she was a struggling actress, showing up to casting calls, reading one line, being told, we'll call you in a week, and never getting that call. It really felt like they were trying to reach out to those people, and I hated her every single time I saw that happen. (laughs) When he's not giving menacing stares, Gosling does neurotic acting really well, and it reminds me of Michael Keaton in that way. It helps ground the movie between the music segments, so I'm glad they didn't go with whatever the current version of a Gene Kelly type is that is really known for the music. Most of it does feel like it's on the drama side. As for Emma Stone, I can't tell if I don't like her acting or if her characters are what I find annoying. Anybody else have an issue with Emma Stone? Have you not liked her in anything? I didn't hate her in Zombieland, but she also wasn't one of my favorite characters either. Hmm. I thought she was a good fit. I had a weird issue with her face in one scene. It just looked really off, and I think that was partly because of her clothing or whatever they forced her to wear. Thank you, Max. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, but it's true. I always heard, oh, Emma Stone, she's pretty hot. Not in this one scene. She looked horrible. That's very generous of you to say it was that one scene. (laughs) (laughs) Every other time I saw her, I mean, it's Emma Stone. I think she has that cast type. It's hard to describe. It's not quite manic pixie girl, but... Plucky. Yeah, plucky, I guess is a good way to put it. Since it is La La Land, reference to Los Angeles, we all either live there or have spent time there. What do you think about Los Angeles's portrayal in this movie? Fairly accurate in the sense of, oh yeah, there's all that traffic that builds up every now and then. But then they lost me when I saw the rest of the traffic flowing below the bridge in that opening scene. That doesn't happen like that. Either there's traffic everywhere, or there's just congestion everywhere. There's never not traffic. Except in a musical. And nobody would come out singing and dancing like that. They would all start honking their horns. Or, you know what, we're going to go three in this two-lane bridge. We're not going to go one by one. We're going to go as much as we can and just get through this. Gosling's portrayal of his road rage, very accurate. 100%. You mean just the honking at other people and giving them the finger? Yeah. We can all understand how he was feeling there. Talking about that first big number, though, with the highway scene, it's just all natural lighting could feel the sweat on their brows while they were dancing and singing. That's where musicals in real life intersect, because it did just feel like it could have been a simple flash mob situation. I remember I was working at a gift store at the time in San Francisco, and I looked out the window. This is in Fisherman's Wharf. I looked out the window, and this group of people on the crosswalk started dancing. I think that's the time when they started to get big flash mobs. I was like, oh, that's what that is. It really is like a living musical. Pat, you've never actually lived in L.A., have you? No, I have not. I grew up in Northern California. From a tourism perspective, how do you think L.A.'s portrayed in this? 
think Ryan Gosling's character said it really well at one time. Was He said that they value tradition, but then they change everything, right? It was something along those lines. It was like, they trash everything, though. And I think that speaks to the LA culture in general, is that you put it all on a pedestal. You have this value that you place on it, but then you also don't care. And you're knocking down buildings. You're building something bigger and better, always. And it's pretty consistent. It's what they call progress, isn't it? (laughs) In some circles. And Pat, do you think the musical aspect of this particular film makes it better than if it was just played as a straight romance? This could have been good as a straight romance flick, but I like what they did with it. They incorporated more of like a classical musical style too. It wasn't like a modern day musical. It was definitely set in the aspect of like the 50s and 60s, the way that they performed it and the way they shot it. I thought that brought something extra to the movie. Andrew, have you noticed any trend or characteristics of newer musicals versus older ones? What's popular? This one was pretty classic in terms of the tap dancing scenes. It's weird because it's very modern, but of course it takes a lot from older movies. It makes no bones about it, too. But I feel like with a lot of older numbers or older musicals, in my opinion, the songs can be pretty separate from the story, where you can take the music out and still just tell the same thing, right? Where with this one, in more modern musicals, the music is more integral to the plot or moving it forward, where they use the songs essentially as dialogue scenes. With the song number, What a Waste of a Lovely Night, that's a good meet-cute scene that you could do in a straight rom-com where they're just talking about it and going back and forth and, oh, this is a waste of a night, isn't it? Mm, it wouldn't work on me. All that crap, but it adds something to it that they did it in song and dance. And one of the big reasons also why I wouldn't sell musicals to everyone because sometimes they're just numbers for the sake of a number. I'm frankly feeling nothing. Is that so? Could be less than nothing. Good to know. What a waste of a lovely As much as I like singing in the rain, as a little spoiler for part two, something the guests mentioned on that one that I wholly agree with, at least half of those dance sequences have nothing to do with the plot. They have no reason to be there except that they're flashy musical numbers. I would go a step further and say only one song, maybe two, have anything to do with the story. Pat, what do you think is the best musical sequence in this? I like the Waste of a Night. I thought that was a really good song, and I think that might have been my favorite. As uh, you guys were saying, like it was really good with the song itself didn't necessarily advance the story, but seeing how the characters were interacting with the song and with the music. While they were all kind of fun to listen to, none of them really stuck out to me. I couldn't tell you for the life of me what was the name of any of the songs or what was happening, except, oh, they're just expressing themselves. And I definitely don't want to say that beginning highway scene because that was just infuriating. (laughs) If anything, I'd probably stick to that scene where Gosling is with the band and they're performing on that stage right before their relationship starts fumbling and breaking apart. The best I could hope for and it delivered is that they wouldn't feel super hokey or superfluous like other stuff we've been talking about. So it delivered there. I found the visuals to be the best part of this movie. I really liked the lighting and the scope of the city in the backdrop. That was nice. Max, do you have any criticisms for La La Land? 
some of the sound, actually. One thing I picked up immediately was Emma Stone's character was driving a Prius. And I think it was like near one of those first few scenes might have been after What a Waste of a Night. She was trying to find her car and she finally hears it chirp. That is not how Toyota Prius chirps when you honk its little horn. (laughs) I've been stuck with that car for a good eight years and I know that chirp and that wasn't it. It was reality breaking for you, huh? It ruined the whole film for me. You car nerd. They can do all these songs and dances. They couldn't find the right sound for the horn. Even though they have like maybe 20 of them in the back lot, they could have just gone out there for five minutes, called it a day. No, let's just use whatever's in the library. God damn it. Maybe there's a licensing issue. Maybe it would have cost money to use that jingle. I wouldn't want to pay Toyota for their chirp. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the art. (laughs) It provides a mostly happy ending which feels dishonest with the artistic struggles the couple face for the majority of the runtime. I appreciated the reality of what it's like for the 99% wanting to become successful actors and musicians and not reaching such heights. It's over. What? All of this. I'm done embarrassing myself. I'm done. I'm done. Nobody showed up. So what? I can't pay back the theater. This is so... I'm gonna go home for a while. I'll come see you tomorrow. No, I'm going home, home. This is home. No, it's not anymore. But the film can't commit and goes Hollywood in the last act, something that the early part of the flick I feel like would have made fun of. I never had an issue with the ending with them both achieving their goals because Gosling was working for John Legend to get his seed money to start his business. It just happened to be a successful club, which is great. And then the audition sequence at the end for Emma Stone, we've seen it just watching movies and stuff. The Hollywood stories of just the one big break being all that someone needs. It never bothered me that she became a big deal after that, and they both had their dreams fulfilled, but separately. And then you have that heartbreaking montage to the score of the film, what could have been when they met eyes and... So I wouldn't say it was absolute Hollywood because absolute Hollywood would have put them back together and they would have had everything. There would have been no compromises on the happy ending. I think it would have been too much of a downer if one of them failed or they both failed. To work with the story, they needed to reach those dreams, but separately. Max, you and I see eye to eye on Emma Stone. How did you feel about the way she broke up with Ryan Gosling's character? Yeah, I wouldn't say the ending was quite happy because they didn't end up together. But at the same time, I'm quite satisfied with the fact that they're both sad despite the fact that they got what they wanted. They just didn't get everything in the end, so I'm content with that. Emma Stone's Mia, toward the end when she gets her big break, the time she's away, the time she's out of country, would be roughly six months? Was it six months? Was it longer or was it shorter? I think it was seven months. It was like supposed to be like three months of planning and four months of filming or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so about half a year. Yeah. It stuck in my craw. So why didn't they end up together? Because they couldn't be separated for that long. And I was thinking, well, is that really so long in the grand scheme of things? You can meet a lot of people in those six to eight months. I think they could have made it work. Of course, we could always argue that back and forth. but. 
I didn't need to see them get together, but the romance feels like the backbone of the movie. And I just wish it had been a little clearer as far as what specifically kept them apart. Hmm, I can understand that. How long were they separated? Right before Gosling came back into the kitchen, cooked her dinner that led up to the big fight? I felt like, what, a week or two? It was weird. They were separated for a week. As soon as he comes back, he ends up in a big fight with her. Six months, no, they would have murdered each other by the time they got back together. This is for the best. Yeah, because she did accuse him of liking him more when he was a loser. You mean he accused her of liking him more? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. For the sake of editing, could you say that? He accused her of liking him more when he was a loser. Absolutely, Andrew. I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Give us a holler, the screen companion at gmail.com. Tell us what recommendations you digged, which ones we were wrong, and who your favorite guests are. The show is on listening platforms like Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Help us by getting the word out and giving likes. We have short clips to get you in the mood on the TSC Highlights channel on YouTube. If you want to throw some change at me, check out Traversal, The Weight of Worlds, a sci-fi novel written by your humble host, available in print and digital on Amazon. Now, back to the show. I'm still waiting for your opinion on this one. I feel like I've been seeding the discussion with my thoughts. Maybe a bit more as we head into the ratings. Zero to four, two being net positive for La La Land, the story. I'll give it a four. Wow. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'm giving it a four as well. Holy cow. Well, maybe I am biased against this movie for certain stony reasons. Um, I gave it a one. Wait, why did you give it a one? (laughs) (laughs) Like, here's the thing, dude. Like, you know, honestly, I wouldn't... Did you finish it? Absolutely. You know I always proclaim if I haven't. Okay, I'm just making sure. (laughs) I understand that this is a story that has been told probably a hundred times before, and it'll be told a hundred times again. You really hate Emma Stone that much? I don't know if it is her or just the character going back to Sebastian making her dinner during that big fight I think it might have been an issue with the script I just didn't really understand where she was coming from that she could blow up what should have been a perfectly nice night her accusing him of of not being true to his artistic self how dare you make money and go play venues Is that really what you want? I mean, that I can understand, but you also have to remember, and I've heard this before from people, it is a platitude, but your anger at others is often a projection of what you feel towards yourself. So she probably just feels like a loser and is just trying to take him down a peg. That doesn't make her character any nicer, but I don't think her ruining a perfectly good evening is outlandish because sometimes people just do that they get all butthurt about their day being bad and you just take it out on someone else well it made me think with romance movies is it possible to enjoy the story if you're not rooting for the couple 
Mmm. Because there's two giant pillars that make up any romance, right? It's love interest A and love interest B. And I was just never on her character's side. I found her so annoying and typically L.A. (laughs) When it could have given me something to really appreciate about her, like when her one-woman show tanks, it could have shown us that she's depressed, but she understands that's the price sometimes of trying to be an artiste. Instead, she automatically folds. Really? You've been doing this for a few years now? I wonder how many times you've cried in the kitchen after an audition. What do you think this is really all about? Okay, okay. All right. I wanted to get a little bit more of an explanation because two fours on a one, that's a pretty big discrepancy. It is. I appreciate you asking. (laughs) No, you don't. Because otherwise it just makes me come off like an Emma Stone hater. So I need people to prompt me so I can talk about it. <laughs> well, I think we have established that you hate Emma Stone. So, like, that I'm not worried about. How about the acting, Max? It made me believe that these people exist and that I would never, ever want to associate with them. Four. Yeah, dude, I'm going to give it a four. Don't you dare! Oh my god! I'm going to. <laughs> like, I think that this... Lars and the Real Girl and Drive are Gosling's best performances for my money. I was disappointed that he didn't win the Oscar for this one. I did think that Emma Stone deserved it. I thought she did really well. I gave it a two, net positive. Was it just because of the goose? (laughs) Would it have been a four if Emma Stone wasn't in it? Probably. It can only go up from here. Uh, Max, the production design. I'll give it a three. I did recognize some of those scenes. It's like, oh yeah, I've driven through there. Except there's more homeless people there now. Are they singing and dancing? That's why I didn't give it a four. (laughs) I'm going to honestly give it a four. (laughs) I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a four with an asterisk. Because they have great scenes in great LA locations. But... As someone who's lived in L.A., not the city city, but I've been there plenty of times, like, I know it's not like that. They gave us the sunniest version of Los Angeles they possibly could. The classic Hollywood romanticized version. There are no bums. Griffith Park is always crowded as hell, so there's no way that they would just go, and it's not an absolute pain in the ass to get there. Is that really something anybody's ever allowed to do? You can just go up to Griffith Park and go in there by yourself? You can go. You could go up to Griffith Park. You can't drive on the front lawn. That's not really something that they allow you to do. Yeah. You're not allowed to float around in the observatory. No. Because weren't they like the only ones in there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was like after hours at night when everything was already shut down. The observatory is always packed. I give it a four, but... Don't go to L.A. thinking you're going to be able to recreate any of those moments. I hated that scene, that number when they're dancing in space like that. (laughs) Right before it happened, I thought, wow, you know, this would be the perfect time for them to do that. But I feel like it's a pretty grounded musical. They're not going to do that. That would just look stupid. And then a second later, they start floating up in the planetarium. I swear, if this wasn't for an episode of the show, and if I didn't like or oh, Andrew so much. 
I wanted to turn it off right then and there. <laughs> Actually, I did, and then I fast-forwarded through that part. I came back a day later, and I finished it. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. How do you have a movie podcast when you hate movies? <laughs> I love movies. You just have a way of challenging me sometimes. Goodness gracious. But hey, this is going to be the best score I give any of these categories. I gave the production design a three. It looks good. Max, the showmanship. I'll give it a four. I picked up on those classical hints of like, oh, these dresses, the shoes, some of their dances that were inspired by older films. I'm giving it a 3.5 only because sometimes Gosling sounded a little flat to me. You monster. I know, I know. I know. I went with a two. Now, the ending, Max, what did you think? I would have been happier if they didn't get what they wanted. If they just kind of got it, but it wasn't what they wanted. If Gosling ended up just performing in a smaller club that was struggling, but just enough to make ends meet. And if Emma's character was in a TV show that was probably going to be canceled by the third season, like most shows are on Fox. 100% accurate right then and there. Instant four. Three is good for this. I'd give it a four. I'm going to give it a one. (laughs) Elaborate. It would have gone a long way for me if one of them didn't make where they wanted to be at by the end of the movie. It starts so, so real. As real as a musical can be. And then by the end of it, man, everything works out. Sure, they don't end the movie as a couple. But because I wasn't too drawn into the romance... I don't really care if they got together or not. I was looking for more individual strife and growth and acceptance. Don't get your head too big, Andrew. (laughs) However, when I was watching this, the way it talks about artists, I thought of you. The way it talks about if you can maintain your artistic credibility, if you supposedly sell out. John Legend makes that good point of what's it matter if you're super traditional and keeping it pure jazz if nobody's going to listen to it. With your background in music, how do you feel about his story in particular? I think in that moment we were supposed to go against John Legend a little bit, where it's like, oh, you don't care about the traditions, man. No, Ryan Gosling, he is up his own ass in this movie with what he thinks jazz should be. Even though, like, at least in terms of American music, it's very free-form to do whatever you want. For the sellout aspect, I get it. So, I've never tried to be a musician by trade. Like, I just do it for funsies. If there was a band or a performer that I didn't particularly like, and they were hiring a bass player, guitarist, whatever, and the money was good, I'd audition. I would tour with an artist that I don't really like the music too much if I knew it could further a career. I get him selling out. That's just the way it is. He needed the money to start up his own club. So you do what you got to do. And now, Viva Las Vegas. This is a character named Lucky Jackson, played by Elvis, who wants to race in the Las Vegas Grand Prix, but has trouble getting an engine for his car. Along the way, he develops a romance with Rusty Martin, played by Anne Margaret. This being my pick, seeing as how I'd never seen it, I gotta say, it delivered exactly what I hoped for, personally and professionally for this show. It was a fun romp, plenty of charm and energy, and that's really all I wanted from it. 
It's the best I could hope for in enjoying a musical. Pat, what did you think of the general vibe of this movie? I haven't seen a lot of Elvis movies. I definitely enjoyed getting to see an Elvis movie. Like, my mother is a huge Elvis fan, so she always talked about it when I was younger. You know what I mean? It was exciting to actually sit down and watch an Elvis movie. I was pleasantly surprised to see Anne Margaret in it. I've seen her in some more recent movies in the last 20, 30 years, but I didn't know she got into Hollywood at such a young age. She did a great job. Obviously, Elvis was very talented. There was definitely a 60s vibe to the movie, and by that I mean that from the way that the female character was portrayed and treated by the male characters. That being said, you have to look at it through the scope of when it was filmed. It was filmed darn near 60 years ago. That's definitely going to be something you're going to see in some of those older movies like you see in the Bond movies, too. But overall, I thought it was really well done for what it was. Andrew, you aren't shy when it comes to classic movies. Have you seen any other Elvis? No, this is my first Elvis movie. What do you think about his acting? It's serviceable. It's Elvis. He was the biggest star of the day. He starts making these movies, and they definitely played into his wheelhouse with the singing and the dancing. When I was telling my parents about this episode, they were like, ooh, musicals, that's interesting. Well, what are the picks? And I told them that one of them was Viva Las Vegas, and they both winced and said that Blue Hawaii would have been the better choice. (laughs) This was an interesting watch. It wasn't what I expected it to be. It was a lot different. Just how 60s it was and how Anne-Margaret-focused some of the scenes were. I was expecting a lot more Elvis, and there were just certain sequences where I was like, okay, they're just trying to show off Anne-Margaret. I don't know if this was like her introducing role, but this was, I think, one of her first big ones. She's very pretty. I didn't think she was a very good actress. (laughs) She's my Emma Stone in this movie. I found Elvis charming. However, a lot of his dancing felt like he was suffering from Michael J. Fox disease. All his shaking and wiggling that didn't really feel like it was a real dance. And I'm thinking, he's supposed to be the 50s version of Michael Jackson? I've heard people talk about him being a fabulous dancer, and nothing that he was doing was wowing me in this. But that's how he danced, though. That's just Elvis being Elvis. That's always how the music moved him. I know what you mean. It's not traditional dancing. That's just how he would move in the moment with the tunes. You're not going to get a more authentic performance from anyone in these movies. And part of it, the era that it was made in. Because if we look at Anne Margaret... She had better dancing, but there was some stuff she was doing. It was all just shoulders. This crazy look on her face. It got her by, but damn, I wish they had a better choreographer. Now, Andrew, do you think the musical aspect of this movie is better than if it just played as a straight comedy? If you took the music out of it, it would suffer. Because then I would just be wondering, why is Elvis in this movie? And there's no singing. That's a good point. It would be a big waste of his talent. Pat, can you think of any moments where the songs played into the comedy? Or enhanced the comedy? When he was singing to her at the pool. The lady loves me, but she doesn't know it yet. Talking about how he liked her and she was arguing that she didn't like him. He ends up in the swimming pool. That was fun. Visit his kin. The lady loves him, 
that sequence in particular is a good example, like really play into why you would do it as a musical and not a regular movie? It's an advancing the story song. You needed to give Elvis a reason to go up to the diving board to be pushed in so that he could lose his money. That's the number I can think of other than the talent show songs that furthers the story the best. And the only reason why the talent show songs further the story is because you're actually just watching him sing and dance in a talent show. That scene, it was the perfect way to add a fun, cute number. In a way of establishing their relationship, not technical meet-cute because they'd already met, but a way to do a shorthand of showing how they're compatible. That, I think, is one thing that musicals can do more than just straight dialogue films, because you have the same thing in La La Land. It's a real hard and fast way to set a tone where one's in to the other and the other's not. And it's an easy way to get at least some smiles out of the audience. Because then you just have two people bickering. Then you just have a guy harassing this woman. And she's like, dude, I'm not interested. (laughs) But now they're rhyming, you know, they're rhyming and singing a song. It makes it less sexual harassment and more like, oh, he's trying. Pat, were there any aspects of Elvis's character that you were able to make a meal out of besides his singing and dancing? So he was the waiter for a little bit, and then he was obviously the race car driver. It shows you at the beginning he's gambling, but it doesn't show you that he wins all his money gambling. Obviously, you assume that. That's how he got the money. I would say overall, besides the singing and dancing, no, he was kind of shallow. Not well developed. True, and yet I did like his interactions with that Italian character, the Count, the more established racer. How would you characterize their relationship? Do you think they were friendly rivals, or one was really trying to use the other? I think they were frenemies at best. They got along. At the very beginning, the Count wants Lucky to drive for him so that he could win the race. Just, you know, give him some money, block the other guys, and the Count wins. It's not until the Count starts making moves where there are more rivals. But even then, they're never overtly hostile towards one another. They get snippy at best. So it is nice that it's not just the Count being a dick. There's very low stakes in this movie when we pick it apart. At least until the death race. Yeah. (laughs) what's funny about it is i'm watching it and i'm just like all right let's see how this race goes and then for my money there are two confirmed fatalities one potential (laughs) there's two people who died unless you guys can confirm for me i didn't see the count at the very last scene of the movie so i think he's dead (laughs) yeah didn't another car just flat out t-bone him (laughs) it's beyond a t-bone dude like his car was on its side, so the roof of the car, his head was facing oncoming traffic. He would have been hit like a hammer hitting a nail and killed. (laughs) So, like, he shouldn't have been in that ending sequence. If he was in the background, maybe he was in a full body cast. He's dead. And that guy who blew up, too. (laughs) (laughs) This might not be the best segue. I did appreciate for a movie that's 60 years old that they had a foreign character like the Count. As far as how many Italian jokes they made about him, I think they kept it to a conservative couple. I didn't have any cringe moments with that, did you guys? No, they just played him as Italian. Elvis sounds like kind of a country bumpkin. It would have been weird for him to start making fun of the smooth Italian guy. 
too on the nose. It wouldn't have looked good for the southern image. Yeah. Now, as we are getting into talking about that final race scene, Max, what are your thoughts about it? It is 100% accurate in terms of, yes, every race is a death race. If there's no more than three fatalities, that was a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Max, your professional opinion, the guy who went off the hill and crashed through the electric pole and you just kind of see him lean out of the car a little bit. Do you think he's unconscious or dead? No, that guy's 100% dead. We just saw a dead body in that film. Okay, then I would say there are three fatalities then. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt that he was just stunned. <laughs> you gave him a benefit that that light pole didn't. <laughs> His head went right through that steering wheel. He's a goner. <laughs> <laughs> but give us a bit more insight, Max. Was there even actually a Las Vegas Grand Prix? Yes, but that wasn't until the 80s, and it was done like a parking lot or two of one of the casinos, and it was the shittiest race ever. Imagine if 16 cars showed up, and maybe three of them finished the race because they couldn't handle the heat. It was so hot that the tarmac and the tires were melting together, the engines were blowing up, people were literally being knocked out due to heat exhaustion. Nobody liked it. It was a very tiny racetrack. It wasn't worth it. That being said, whatever Grand Prix these guys did, it's not a Grand Prix. No, that's more like a rally at this point. They started at, what, 5, 6 a.m. and they finished sometime in the afternoon, literally going all the way around Nevada. That was kind of weird. I thought it was really weird was having them seemingly drive through Vegas itself. That's going to happen this year. Really? There's going to be a Las Vegas Grand Prix this coming year from F1. It'll take part on the main strip. But they'll have barricades up. Yeah, they'll have barricades. They'll have grandstand seating. It'll happen at night so people won't die. Tickets are stupid expensive to the point that the moment that even got announced what date it might be on, the hotel's all sold out. That's correct. I looked into getting tickets. The cheapest tickets are like starting at $500. And then that doesn't even include flights or hotels, which are also exorbitant. In our final round of TSC ratings before Pat's reckoning, Starting with story for Viva Las Vegas. I'll give it a two only because it didn't meander. And sorry, Max, I forgot that you hadn't seen the movie, so it'll be Andrew, then me. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You say that, but while you guys were discussing the movie, I was watching the film at 2x speed, fast-forwarding through it as best as I could while trying to keep an eye of context. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, Max. (laughs) this isn't like johnny mnemonic this isn't the matrix you haven't jacked in and you know all about it now story i gave it a two as well andrew how about the acting i'm giving it a one Ooh, i'm gonna give it a two just because emma stone wasn't born yet for me and margaret every time she would do a big shoulder whip she would change her facial expression and it really bothered me her facial expressions during the dance scenes bothered me They looked wild and weird and then sad and then angry and then just she kept doing different things. Very spastic. Yes. Production design. I'm going to give it a three. It's very 60s. I'm only going to give it a two. However, I would like to shout out at the beginning of the movie when you see the strip at night and all that marvelous neon. That was nice. Showmanship. Yeah, two. I'm going to give it three. 
and the ending. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a two. It's very abrupt to go from a race where three people died straight to what the ending is. It only flashes for like 10 seconds and then the movie's over. I totally agree. So I gave it a one. It was jarring. Did it really leave me wishing for more because it was such a simple story? Not necessarily, but I wish it had been handled better so it wasn't so obviously fast. Pat, do you have any big criticisms for this flick? Besides the overt sexism, the ending for sure, because we talked about the Italian, how you know one of their friends had had an accident and basically they alluded to the fact that he died. And then we see the Grand Prix. And then there's the accident with the maestro himself, and we don't see him again in the rest of the movie. We don't know what happened to him. We know exactly what happened to the maestro after that. (laughs) Max, did the maestro survive? No, he did not. (laughs) (laughs) It was a shower of red. Like pasta sauce red? (laughs) The inside of that car looked like Marvin from Pulp Fiction. There was spaghetti everywhere. (laughs) Well, here we are. I think the part of the show I've been looking forward to the most. It's Pat's reckoning. He is the judge for tonight. He's going to tell us what's what about these movies. Now, Pat, being subjected to all these musicals, what do you feel it revealed to you in terms of your original perception of the genre? And do you feel like your feelings about musicals have improved or gotten worse because of tonight? I would say improved. I appreciated them. So for background for the audience here is that, like I said, I've seen maybe eight to ten musicals, but now would be these movies that I just watched in the last week. Before that, not very heavy on the musical experience. And I don't count Disney movies amongst the musical experience. I think of more like the traditional like Singing in the Rain, which I have seen, which is an excellent movie. I have a greater appreciation for musicals now and what they're trying to accomplish. That being said, if you're looking at new releases and somebody says, oh, you're looking forward to that, Pat? Did you know it's a musical? Are you still going to want to watch it, or are you going to groan a little bit? If it's made for the big screen versus if it was made for theater, Viva Las Vegas and La La Land were both written for the big screen, I would say it depends on that. I'd be more inclined to watch it. So now that we've gotten to your TSC ratings, if you could run through all tonight's fodder for me with your numbers. Story. La La Land 3, really good all around. Viva Las Vegas, I'm going to go one and a half on it. Acting. La La Land 3 as well. Overall, the acting was good. And then uh, Viva Las Vegas, I'll go a little lower on that. I'll give it a two. It's more about Elvis singing, and I thought Anne Margaret was talented, so it was great to see her in a younger role. Production design? For La La Land, I'll go a little lower, maybe two and a half or three. Beautifully shot. Set design looks really nice as well. Viva Las Vegas. You have opening shots of downtown Las Vegas. Some shots of the Strip, but the Strip wasn't really around in the form that it is today. So it was really cool to see. And overall, I'd say two and a half, three set design from the 60s. Showmanship. I'll go three and a half on La La Land. They had Mandy Moore as the choreographer for the film. I'm not sure if you guys knew that, but she was the hired choreographer. They did a great job with the dance sequences. I thought that was a fun movie. Viva Las Vegas for showmanship. 
two and a half for that. And Margaret's singing wasn't as good as it could have been. Elvis obviously is a stud when it comes to singing. I thought he did a great job. It balances out. And the endings of these movies. La La Land, they're not together, but they achieve their dreams. I'm going to give that a two and a half. And I'm going to go as far as for Viva Las Vegas. I'm going to give it a zero. Oh! Yeah, because it does. The film just ends. You end the race. Lucky wins the race and everybody's excited. Boom, there's a wedding. Even though our main female character, was her name Rusty? Was that her name? What was it? Yes, Rusty Trombone. Oh my god. (laughs) She's very much against him racing, and then at some point that was really not well described, she flipped the script on us, and she all of a sudden, okay with him racing. She watches him race, and then he wins the race, and then they're getting married, and then the movie ends. And we don't know what happened to the Italian guy, except for the fact that we can all very clearly say he died. So that's why I gotta go with the low score on that. Andrew, what do you think was the switch in Rusty Martin's mind where she was accepting of it and wanted Elvis back? It's contrived for the happy ending. Leading up to it all, she's pissed off. She brings her dad ketchup sandwiches. Because I didn't see any meat or cheese on those sandwiches. I saw meat and cheese on a plate near the bread. (laughs) But then she spells out lucky in ketchup and then just slaps the bread on. So she can't even make a sandwich. (laughs) Which was the most sinful thing in the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) My headcanon is that he won enough money and he gambled it and made even more money and doesn't have to race anymore. I don't think they ever resolved the issue that she hates him racing. It was weird that all of a sudden they're married at the end. So as we wrap things up... You can't really go wrong with La La Land. Not as music heavy and dance heavy. It has arguably less of the things that you are probably avoiding by not watching musicals. I don't want to say it's the most entry level of the musicals I've ever seen, but it's pretty entry level. If you don't like La La Land, I think you in general won't like musicals. And Viva Las Vegas, a fun time capsule to bust open, and its vibrant charm has enough gas to get you across the finish line of its efficient 80-minute duration. Having to watch so many musicals over the last couple weeks, I appreciated its short runtime so much. City of stars, are you shining just for me? 